time. We thank you for this place. And Lord, we ask that you would just speak deeply into each of our hearts as we sit and as we listen and as we dwell on your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So here we are. Literally, here we are. Um, it's been over a year since I last preached. And I keep all my preachers together in this folder. I have no idea why, just for fun. Um, and it was April last year that I last preached, which means I have never stood here and spoken to you. So it was a really weird preparation for me because it's hard because you I, I picture things often I picture myself in situations or places and it was very strange to try and picture what that would be like here and anyway over the last say um, nine months or so I've been forced into um, many times of reflection so I started um, a university degree last September and man, do they make you reflect. I don't know about you. I, I'm not too bad at being self-aware. I know how I feel. I understand how I feel. But I don't tend to reflect on what that then means. And what I've been forced into a lot over the last nine months is going, but what does it mean? And I'm like, mm. I don't know, something. God's doing something. I'll leave it to him. So I'm forced into this time of reflection. And so it's so interesting that I'm here. A year ago, never did I think I'd be here. This time last year looked so different in so many ways for me. And so, yeah, here we are, living, breathing, moving in this space, in this place, in this moment. And one thing I really learned is how in times of reflection, Number one, how much I don't like reflecting um, because it often leads to the place of realization that number one, I don't know as much as I thought I did. <laughs> That's always a really unpleasant place to be. And number two, how undisciplined I am as an individual. And that's really quite unpleasant to learn as well. Um, I mean, I know I'm undisciplined in certain areas of my life, but other areas, I thought, no, I'm, I'm pretty good. I read my Bible every day. And then we look at all of these different ways in which you can encounter God and all these people that I'm journeying over learning with. And they're like, oh, well, I do this every day and I do this and I do this and this. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'm really undisciplined apparently. And you can tell that really by a person, by how many started journals you have. Yeah, you're laughing because you know exactly what I mean. Those those journals that you've bought, because number one, they look pretty. Well, that's usually why I buy journals. They look pretty and they're full of intention, full of I'm going to complete this and this is going to radically change my entire outlook on life in general. And then you kind of fill in a couple of pages and and then life gets in the way and you kind of move on. So the number of unfinished journals I have really reflects on how undisciplined I am. Um, my spelling and grammar leaves a lot to be desired. I wouldn't say that was a learning element for me because I already knew that, but to have that thrust back in your face on a monthly basis becomes quite a difficult experience. I think uh, me and Lawrence were talking about this just yesterday, at how bad my grammar is, because um, I was really um, 
blessed and fortunate to share a reading at Millie and Luke's wedding yesterday and I sat there just beforehand and I turned to Liam and I went, I've forgotten how to read. Like I just felt like I'd lost the ability to read. I'd lost the ability to actually read words and say them out loud. And then we were joking about the fact that actually I'm not very good at it anyway. <laughs> um, and I'm really bad at spelling and grammar. But what I am being is stretched in ways that I never imagined. And this last year has really taught me that that stretching process isn't always a pleasant one. It's not always expected. But it is ordained by God. It is chosen by God. It is purposed by God. It has a potential and a reason in God. Now, I can't talk about the last little bit of time um, without talking about something we mentioned last week. Um, for those of you who weren't here last week, um, we announced that um, myself and Andrew would be stepping off the senior leadership um, and to stretch ourselves into new ways and new things. Um, and that took up a lot of reflection, a lot of thinking, a lot of brain space. But I'll get onto that a little bit later. But I thought I'd throw that out for anyone that missed it last week because not everybody was here. And just to clarify, it's all good. There's no scandal. I know everyone likes there to be a reason, but there's not. Feel free to come and talk to me or Andrew afterwards if you've got any questions, but and we'll happily talk about it with you, but there is absolutely no hidden agenda at all. So a few weeks ago, as I was praying and preparing mentally, I do a lot of mental preparation. I mean, this has only been down on paper for about four hours. Um, but I do a lot of mental preparation, and I was convinced. I was like, I'm just going to... I think I'm going to speak on the book of Amos. And myself and Evelyn were talking about this a couple of weeks ago. And I was like, do you know what? I think, I think that's it. And then about a week and a half ago, maybe two weeks ago, God was like, no, dwelling place. And I was like, oh, I kind of really want to look at Amos. And he was like, no, dwelling place. So we're going to start by dwelling in the word. Always a good place to start. So there are going to be two scriptures I want you to kind of just keep near you. Isaiah 54. Verse 2 to 3. I'm reading most of mine today in the Christian Standard Bible or out of that version. Um, I do have one from the message because it's me. And it would be very difficult for me to preach a message without including it. And this says, Enlarge the site of your tent, or other versions say dwelling. Let your tent curtains be stretched out. Do not hold back. Lengthen your ropes and drive your pegs deep. For you will spread out to the right and to the left, and your descendants will dispose the nations and inhabit desolate cities. And so this um, part of Isaiah is 54, so it comes towards the end of Isaiah. I promised Pastor Andrew I wouldn't go into Isaiah too much. recently done an essay on it, and I did make promises that I wouldn't bore anyone with information on Isaiah that is surplus to requirements, so I'm going to hold to that promise. But this comes towards the end of Isaiah. So this proclamation, this declaration that Isaiah is giving to the nation of Israel is a nation of Israel that is exiled, that is gone, that is scattered, that is broken. And you see in that end of Isaiah, you see all the hope coming out. At the beginning of Isaiah, you see all the warnings and the destruction that's to come. But then towards the end, you see this hope brimming out, this this potential of what God is yet 
to do. And in it, God calls into Israel and calls out this, enlarge the place of your dwelling. Now, they, they're living in a foreign land. But yet, they have to pull out their tent pegs, stretch themselves out wider. And there's a call on us today to be stretched, to be enlarged in some way. And now this message has been fulfilled over the years in many different ways, some of which we'll touch on as we go through, but in many different ways. But there is still a fulfillment of that today in and through us as God's chosen people, as his called, as his holy ones. We get to join in with that and be enlarged and stretched. We also see a little bit of this echo through uh, Matthew 28 verse 19 to 20, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so we've got that stretching out beyond, beyond what is here, beyond what is now, and into the nations. Go further, go farther than you could ever have imagined before and you will do these things because I have called and I have ordained you to do them and so we've got again that stretching Jesus is really this is just before he sends into heaven and ascension was yesterday as it is celebrated and he stretches them and then leaves them and there is a stretching that is taking place in their minds in their spirits and ways that they probably didn't know what to do with. We're also going to look at 1 Chronicles 4, verse 10, the prayer of Jabez. Jabez called out to the God of Israel, if only you would bless me, extend my border and let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will not experience pain. And God granted his request. Now, I think I've mentioned a while ago Jabez in another message, but his name meant pain so there you see at the end where he says so that I will not experience pain his name literally meant pain so whilst he's asking God look stretch out enlarge my borders give me more ground give me more territory he's also asking God to cast off the pain that is associated with him so sometimes in that stretching there is a casting off that needs to take place as well. But I also want to emphasize how important it is that when we talk about dwelling places and we talk about dwelling moments, to dwell in the word. I'm passionate about the Bible. I think it is an invaluable resource. But dwell in it. If we're to dwell, it means to take up residence, to live somewhere, to abide somewhere. Know the word of God as well as you know your own homes. Know the corners. Know where the light comes in. Know maybe sometimes where the, those shadowy places and actually those chapters or those books in the Bible that you may be a little bit afraid to go into because you don't know what's going to be inside of them. Go there. God is there. There is detail and there is a wealth of love and knowledge in every corner of that word that will change you that will radically transform your life and your walk with God so dwell deeply in the word I encourage you to do that 
And if that's something that you actually find quite difficult on your own, gather. Gather with others. Gather with a couple of other people. If that even means just reaching out to one friend and saying, do you mind if just every now and then we just read the Bible together? Or if that's going to a provision that exists. We had Vision Sunday a couple of weeks ago. There is a wealth of things that take place throughout this body that you can engage with. No pressure, but we've got B tonight. I'm just saying, I'm just throwing it in there. Um, but these, there are opportunities for you to dig into the word. And if it's something you struggle with to do on your own, please engage with some of those. And then we have the idea of dwelling together. Yes, dwelling with God, but dwelling together as well. And so when we think about dwelling together and we think of dwelling places, we think of actually meeting places, points in time where not only do we meet with one another, but we can meet with God. And if we go all the way back to Genesis 3, verse 8, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees in the garden, because this is just after they've sinned, but in the cool of the evening, and I've always loved that, the, the thought that God came looking for them in the cool of the evening, as if this is something familiar that he did, that he dwelt in the garden with them, that he would walk, he would talk, he would have relationship with creation, and that he would walk with them in the cool of the evening. But yet we see that obviously then there is a separation, there is a hiding that comes in. And then as God continues to journey with his people, you see the tabernacle start to appear and start to be built and instruction is given to build the tabernacle. And God gives them the tabernacle in his presence and the Ark of the Covenant to dwell amongst his people because it was movable. There was a movement because the Israelites were on a journey. They were on a journey with purpose and with intention into the promised land. But as we read in Matthew as well, I will be with you to the end of the age. There was a dwelling that took place, a presence that took place, a provision of a meeting place so that they could meet with God, so that they could atone for sin and so that they could meet with God. And then we get the temple a temple that is built in a place of promise through a dynasty of promise and through uh, Solomon built the temple who was David's son and you see that there is that positioning of the temple in this land of promise. It was set up, designed for sacrifice, for atonement, for those rituals, for the, the requirement that God had of people in place of sin because they he dwelt but they needed to be that handing over they needed to be that sin that blood shed for that sin so it was set up for sacrifice and this was something that the Israel people were very aware of that this meeting place became about sacrifice and then we see that things go bad for Israel and the exile comes and then, as God's people are scattered, not without warning, as we know through the prophets, but there is that scattering and the exile that comes. And yet, 
in Ezekiel 11:16 we have this scripture I will be a sanctuary to them so in Ezekiel 11 verse 16 Ezekiel is declaring to the scattered nation of Israel that God will be with them that he will be their sanctuary he will be their place of refuge that is outside of the temple the temple is gone the temple has been destroyed by this point but he will be their sanctuary his omnipresence his everywhere-ness I made that word up I just added ness to the word everywhere his everywhere-ness his his presence continually constantly there would be a place of sanctuary and then we come into uh, post-exile where they return to the land and Nehemiah starts rebuilding the walls and rebuilding the temple. And we have the temple reinstalled and we have this foreshadowing, this kind of pre-echoing to what was yet to come, which was Jesus. The temple, the Jesus, the fulfillment of it all, the temple the sacrifice, the high priest, the victor. And so when we go back and we look at Isaiah 54 in the knowledge of that journey and we look at that call to enlarge the place of your dwelling, stretch out your tent pegs, dig them in deep, these things came in a way that no one could ever have imagined in and through Jesus. And then Jesus commission to each of us to the disciples to go into all the world and make disciples of every nation stretching and enlarging us but what about dwelling today now there's a quote I've got written on my um, piece of paper and I've been debating for about a week whether I was gonna use it because it's a it's something that I read on Instagram which is where I got all my valuable information from, as you'll tell by my message today. <laughs> um, but there was a quote that I saw by an American pastor. Oh, I'm going to read it. I'm just going to go for it. Never mind. That I don't wholly agree with. Do you ever read those things and you're like, I'm not sure if that's quite how I would say it. Nothing wrong in theory. Just putting that. Nothing wrong in theory with what he said at all. But when we think about it, what are we? What is he saying here? Okay, I'm setting it up way too much. I'm just going to go for it. It says, I am certain that the people gathering in the name of Jesus is the most powerful force on earth. Let me do it one more time. I'm certain that people gathering in the name of Jesus is the most powerful force on earth. So people gathering is powerful. But I would in some way argue, and maybe me and Chris might debate this afterwards by the tone, is that it is powerful. People meeting under the name of anything is powerful. People gathering together for one cause is powerful. But Jesus and the spirit and the presence of him living and moving in this world is the most powerful force. Us gathering together is important. It is vital to our survival as Christians. It is vital to this world that we meet and that we thrive and that we encourage and we serve one another. It is vital. But what we do outside of here 
is oh so important. Me and Chris might debate this later. Are we going to debate this later, Chris? I think we are. That's okay. I'm, I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. <sighs> I'm not ready for it, guys. If you see me and Chris talking for too long later, Flo, will you save me? She's not sure. She hasn't made a promise of that. Okay. <laughs> but we should. the word tells us we should never meet neglect. We should never neglect meeting together. And we absolutely shouldn't. It's so wonderful. And I actually found something that I wrote and actually spoke to the church back in 2006. And I can remember writing it. I can remember, like, sending it really scared to, like, Pastor Andrew to read it. And then he's like, I think you should share that one Sunday. I also remember having an absolute freak out and a meltdown before I did, just because I was like, I don't know if it's right. But in it, I talk about how important I've said, well, God through it, has said that actually how important it is, only iron can sharpen iron, and so only fire can spread fire. That there's something vital that happens when we meet together, that the fire should be so hot that it scares even the devil back to hell. And so the importance of us meeting together is vital, and I will not shy away from that at all. But his presence in dwelling here with us now and it needs to dwell here in this moment, but it also needs to dwell in our lives and not just in our church. We can be one gathering of people here, but if I look around and there's, well, I I'm not very good at roughly counting, a thousand of us in here. If each of us, <laughs> there's not, I'm not that bad at counting, but if each of us were to go out, you just multiply and spread that in your workplaces, in your homes, in your schools, in your colleges, wherever you go, the force of Christ in the world becomes powerful in and through you as an individual as well. And I don't know about you, but I can dwell on things. Um, I'm a thinker, so I can often spend a lot of time dwelling on something. So as I mentioned earlier about Andrew and I stepping off senior leadership here, that was 18 months worth of thinking and dwelling. And I think I was talking to someone the other day, and I was like, there wasn't a day that went by, I would say, for at least the last eight months where I didn't think about it that I didn't sit and pray on it, that I didn't sit and consider it and question myself, question God, question the whole thing. And I dwelt on that. But we can dwell so long that we become residents in those situations. And we can become resident in those negativities and in those worries and in those concerns. And we can become so familiar with them that we forget what it looks like outside of those things. So how are you being stretched? Ha like that. Amir's stretching right now. Thank you, Amir. But how are you being stretched? How is God stretching you right now? I don't want shout-outs, no hands in the air. I mean, if you want to, that's fine. It's a safe place. But how is God enlarging you? How is God pulling out those ropes in your life? And where are those pegs going? You might go, oh, I have no idea. And that's okay. But 
we can be in those transition times. Sometimes I feel like over the last year, I've been like unpegged, <laughs> where I felt that there's a stretching, but I have no idea where those pegs are going. I don't know what ground they're going into, but I'm trusting God in the enlarging. Because I'm not a camper, but I'm guessing, I'm making this up on the spot, I'm guessing that as you stretch out your tent, you put y the absolute stretch is probably when you're just about to put those pegs in. But you're still stretching it all the way up to there. Yeah, John? You've been camping a couple of times? Yeah. So in these last few months, I've, I've really felt that like I've been stretched, and I'm like, I don't think that I can possibly be stretched any further. And then God's going, just come with me over here. So we get stretched. And yeah, I'm still waiting for where those pegs are going. In all honesty, that's where I'm at. But where are you being stretched? Where are you being enlarged? Or maybe it, it's a bit like a Jabez situation. You're like, I want to gain some ground. I want to dwell in some new areas in my life. I actually... I want a new job. I want to dwell in a new place somewhere or I, I need a new house or I need this or I want this. But actually, is this something that needs to be discarded as well? Something that needs to be shaken off in that process for God's blessing to be on Jabez and he, he heard his prayer and he answered it, which meant that actually Jabez's name of pain was just a name. So what is there that maybe is needing to be discard, discarded that you no longer need to dwell on and no longer need to reside in as you take up a new residence? And then in Acts 2, verse 1 to 4, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. See, it is important to meet together, Chris. I'm with you. In Jesus' name, amen. All together in one place, suddenly a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were staying. They saw tongues like flames of fire that separated and rested on each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them. This was a fulfillment of something Jesus had promised before he ascended. So we have ascension, and then we have this nine days until Pentecost. I don't know how the disciples would have felt in those nine days. They were persecuted, they were being hunted down, and they didn't have Jesus. They didn't have this instructor, and they had yet to have the Holy Spirit. But what did they not fail to do was gather together. They were in one place, and yet, when Pentecost came, it came and it sat on each and every single one of them, giving to them as purposed. And then after Pentecost, they were enlarged. Their numbers increased by the thousands. And I'm going to guess that they were stretched in that. What do we do now with all these people? some of the more practical ones among <laughs> the disciples. How will we feed everyone when we're meeting together so frequently, when we're now in community with one another? So they were being stretched in this time as well. But in all of this, dwelling is an active choice. 
It was an active choice that God made all the way back in the Garden of Eden, choosing to be amongst that which he created. Choosing to be present, guiding, instructing his people, choosing to remind the people, even during exile, that he was with them. Dwelling in hope, and then in Jesus, and by the Spirit. Each of you made a choice today to dwell, to meet, to come together in this place, trusting and knowing and hoping for an encounter with the living God. And we are alive in and through him. And I love this scripture. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 7, in the message. We carry this precious message around in the unadorned clay pots of our ordinary lives. That is to prevent anyone from confusing God's incomparable power with us. As it is, there is not much chance of that. You know for yourselves that we are not much to look at. He lives within us. We're nothing really, I mean, you're all amazing to look at. Pastor Andrew often says we're the best looking church in Newport. That's his claim. But we're nothing without him. It is his filling of us. It is his presence in and through us. And so we're nothing to look at. We're not much that other than these ordinary, unadorned clay pots. Because anything that is incredible, anything that is powerful, anything that is awesome, anything that is just God points all the way back to him. Every step of the way glorifying him. But we are in this world and in your situations and where you are currently residing. You are there to carry this message, this awesome message in the knowledge of who Christ is. We have an omnipresent God who is active and at work in the world around us. However, we are the ones with the knowledge. We know who he is. We can gaze with our friends at a beautiful sunset and we can post it on social media and everyone can like it, but we know the creator and it is our responsibility to carry that out into this world with us. And for some of us, that takes a stretching to be the one in the workplace or in the family or in the school or in the college that says, I know that creator. I know who made that sunset that you posted on Instagram yesterday. I know him. Isn't it amazing? It's awesome to be those people who God has set apart. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6 verse 19 to 20 says, don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, um, who you have from God? You are not your own. He is powerful and he is able and he is dwelling and increasing in us. So my challenge to each of you really, and to myself included, is to be dwellers who are placed but who are present in his presence. 
outside of this building, outside of this precious time, we are to be dwellers in him. John 15, verse 4, this is the last scripture, says, Remain in me and I in you. Just as the branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. Remain, dwell, abide in Christ. And the stretching and the fruit will come from him and him alone. So dwell. So yeah, I'm just going to close in prayer. Could I ask you to stand as we pray? Father God, we thank you that you choose to reveal to us the truths of you, the light and the hope. And Lord, we pray that we will, as we have dwelt here in these moments, in this time with you, we pray that as we leave this place, that our Mondays will be a day of dwelling in your presence, a day of residing in your word, residing in the knowledge of who you are, that as we go out and as we declare just by our lives your glory, your goodness, your love every step of the way. Father, let us remain in you. In Jesus' name, amen.